Hello everyone, this is the GeoSpeaks podcast, and this episode is based on the problems the world has with water scarcity. On this episode, today we're going to be interviewing a former Peace Corps member named Dr. Jim Corbin. Jim Corbin was born and raised in Flint, Michigan, which is a place, as you know, that has had many issues with water over the years. He graduated from the University of Michigan with a bachelor's in natural science, Central Michigan University with a master's in biology, and Michigan State University with a doctorate in developmental biology. Dr. Corbin is the co-founder and first director of the Great Lakes Green Space, and he was part of the Peace Corps. His service in the Peace Corps was in Nicaragua during the... Sandinista Revolution and Honduras as the post-hurricane reconstruction coordinated in La Mesquicha. After his service, he continued to live in Central America, working in natural resource conservation and sustainable agriculture. When Dr. Corbin was doing work here, he noticed that the most common need in the public was access to clean water. Now he teaches biology and sustainable agriculture courses in Massachusetts and Vermont, and he also teaches a course on wetlands biology and conservation in Mexico. Hello. Hi, good afternoon, Mr. Corbin. Hi, good afternoon. Good morning. Um, this is the group of students from Ms. Reynolds' AP Human Geography class here to talk to you. Good. Um, so we'd like to ask you some questions about your time in the Peace Corps. Um, okay. From, from your time in the Peace Corps, what are some of the water quality and access problems you've seen? Sure. That would be a long list. Um, I think water quality is one of the most basic needs that people have and it's the first thing that they usually don't uh, that they lack or don't get in rural villages because remember in even in the u.s in rural towns there's not a water supply system a municipal water supply system which also means then there's not a sewage uh, treatment system centralized in the villages so the two kind of go together when when you don't have a water supply system you also then have a sanitation issue that has to be addressed and and in the villages that i worked in um, they had no municipal water supply system or sewage system so we tried to uh, work to develop uh, a better water supply system that would be separate from the sanitation issue uh, to separate those two waters because really what happens is they have plenty of water in Central America. They have abundance of water uh, just because of rainfall. And, uh, and that's very good quality of clean water that, that comes readily, but it quickly gets contaminated uh, when it gets on the ground or into uh, unsanitary containers. And that's the trick is to get that water to people um, without it getting contaminated on the ground. Thank you. Um, by their own, own sanitation problems. Thank you, Mr. Corbin. Hi, Mr. Corbin. I'm Eric, one of the students here, and I just wanted to ask you, um, what are some of the ways that you've learned to kind of get used to the water or cope with the water where you were uh, based? Uh, yeah, good, Eric. Um, well, I... I think, as I mentioned, water and sanitation are always linked, or unfortunately, they get mixed. And so the trick with 
getting clean water to people is to keep the two separated and collect the rainwater, which is the primary source of drinking water for most people, um, is to collect it before it gets to the ground. And so we did a lot of uh, work with uh, rooftop collections, rainwater collection systems, which probably in Massachusetts you almost never see, although it could be done. Um, and to collect the rainwater before it gets down to where it can get uh, contaminated and keep it separate. So rainwater collection systems off of people's rooftops, because everybody's home has some kind of roof on it, uh, to collect it in some uh, clean containers uh, that then they have access to the water. If that can't be done, then we would go with uh, digging deep wells to try to uh, protect the water by getting it after it's been filtered through the sand and, and earth, just like we do here, where we have uh, clean well water coming up from down uh, deeper in the ground. But obviously the easiest thing to do is collect it as it falls for free and clean. And uh, that was our primary primary projects was collecting rainwater or getting well water so that it was separated from everything else that contaminates it. Okay, that's really awesome. Thank you. Um, so my name is Avery, and I have a question for you as well. Do you think okay. more people were ill from the lack of water or more ill from waterborne illnesses? Um, the most common problem, particularly among children, was that they had contaminated water. Um, not necessarily from waterborne diseases that say malaria or thing, uh, parasites that are uh, bacteria that are carried in the water, but human uh, parasites that are passed from sewage to water uh, and then is drank by children uh, that drink uh, um, unsanitary water. And that was almost universal. Almost all children in these rural villages in Central America suffered from uh, intestinal parasites, either amoebas or worms of some sort. Sometimes their, <clears throat> their infection was minor, so it didn't really hurt their health, but most of the time it did. And um, that was a major, major problem was from these uh, contaminated water. There's, that's not to say that the waterborne diseases like malaria aren't important. As you know, millions of people die every year around the world from malaria. Uh, it's a very important issue, and there are other diseases as well. But the most common universal problem is contaminated water uh, from human sewage that gets into the water, or from animal sewage that gets into water. Okay, um, thank you. Um, I'm Ellie, um, and I also had a question for you. Um, what was the worst water problem you experienced while working in the Peace Corps? Oh, gosh. That, that's a hard one because they're, they're all bad. Um, well, I guess we one that affected the most people was actually a, 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 local, a place in Honduras where... Uh, there was municipal water 
system and a municipal sewage treatment system. Uh, so you would think that would be a, a good way for people to get clean water and get rid of their uh, sewage. But uh, And that affected thousands of people. But what happened was the two systems had their pipelines running next to each other. Oh. And so the, the clean water coming into the town uh, for people to get their clean water was immediately adjacent to the sewage water going out of the town. And of course, it's only a matter of time before those two pipes bring a leak someplace. And it turns out the pipes went under a big road. And so heavy trucks went down that road a lot and apparently caused some cracks in the pipes. And so the sewage was leaking out into the ground and then being picked up by the water line coming, the clean water line coming into town and was being contaminated by the sewage. So it was their own sewage system that was contaminating the water. And that took quite an effort to find out how that, that was happening because it wasn't obvious why the water was being so badly contaminated. And that, I say, is probably one of the worst because it affected thousands of people. Most villages, you know, are maybe a couple hundred people, so it's a smaller number of people. But in this case, it was a larger town that had this issue. Um, and so it's a matter of just having good engineering and design uh, was lacking. And um, I guess that's the worst situation I can imagine possible because it was such a large number of people that were being made sick by their own drinking water. Yeah, that's re that sounds really unfortunate. Um, so what, what was your primary inspiration for continuing to stay in Central America after your service in the Peace Corps? Well, I just enjoyed it. I, en I enjoyed the uh, Latin American culture of the people. Uh, I think that's one of the most important things about Peace Corps is not what you do for other people but what you learn from them you learn so much and i just found it's a different culture it's you know different food and different customs but they're all people just like us and they have the same problems and the same interests and likes and dislikes hopes for their families and you know, the children are the same fun kids that kids are here and i just enjoyed it and i of course i needed a job and it gave me a job. It gave me good employment doing what I like doing. And there's nothing better than having a job that you really enjoy and that you're always learning from. And I just enjoy learning, and it was a great place to work. Wow, that's so inspirational. Um, my name is Kaylin, and I had a question about your time living in Flint. Um, <laughs> so... From living in Flint, what were your personal experiences with the water there? How did you react when you first found out? Well, I, I lived in Flint only when I was a very young child. And so uh, I wasn't there when the scandal happened. And, and this was a scandal. This was not an accident. It wasn't the sort of thing where, gee, nobody saw this coming. Uh, this was something that was done intentionally by people who made bad decisions to save a few dollars. And uh, my family, many of my relatives still live in Flint, in the Flint area, uh, because that's where our whole family is. 
And um, so I go back there quite a bit to visit, and I still have the contact with them and see the yellow water that comes out of their faucets that's not drinkable. Uh, because decisions were made to save a few bucks by the town government, regardless of the fact that this would contaminate people's water, not just would make it dirty or unattractive, but contaminating it with lead, which is a, you know, such a deadly poison, especially for children. Um, we now know that there are over 9,000 children in Flint who have drank that water and now have permanent lead poisoning for the rest of their life will have inhibited mental abilities for the rest of their life because they drank that water for a period of time and the lead uh, causes brain damage as you probably know uh, and it's brain damage is not easily repaired uh, and so the, the experience has been really uh, agitating and as you know um, uh, Roger Moore has made some movies about about it, documentaries about it. So there's a lot of good information about what what happened there, and it's it's been just very frustrating because it was so unnecessary. It didn't have to be that way. They had good water. They had a good system, and uh, because people were short-sighted and made decisions to save a few bucks, uh, they thought, um, regardless of human health. They've um, messed up things badly, and uh, personally, I think they should be in jail. Thank you for that. Thank you for your insight. Um, hi, my name is Owen, and um, as you spoke before with the rainwater collection, were there any concerns with acid rain or contaminated rain? Well, there are problems with rainwater collection. It's not an easy thing. There's no acid rain to speak of in Central America. Acid rain is a problem with New England because of the power plants in the Midwest that spew out sulfur dioxide uh, by, from burning coal primarily in the Midwest. And that, that gas then uh, comes across and drops as rain in New England. In Central America, they don't have acid rain because to the west or where the weather comes from is the Pacific Ocean, which doesn't cause a problem for them. But um, there are problems with rain. You have to be careful that the rooftop that you're collecting uh, the rainwater from is clean, and there are systems for washing off the roof, you know, to keep it clean. Once the water is collected, there's always an issue of the possibility of mosquitoes getting into the water and laying their eggs. The mosquito eggs wouldn't hurt you, but you just don't want to be breeding mosquitoes near your house. Um, in keeping um, any kind of dirt that might get into open bins has to be protected. So the, the rainwater collection system has to be closed and uh, collected off of the right kind of clean roof rooftop. So yeah, it is. There are some problems with it. It's not a free, entirely free, but it has to be done well. And, uh, and it, but it works very nicely when you get that much rainwater you can collect a lot of clean water very quickly thank you so uh i remember reading that you worked with uh utilizing sustainable agriculture in central america and i just wanted to ask how you utilized irrigation with sustainable agriculture and if so how it affected the 
the, the success? Um, well, irrigation can be a big issue in agriculture, but in, in an area where you get um, such huge amounts of rainfall, irrigation was not a problem. We did not have irrigation except in nurseries. We grew uh, trees, uh, we would grow trees for planting and in nurse, small nurseries uh, where we would have a few thousand trees at a time uh, growing out. And those have to be watered, but it's usually done by hand and um, not a real fancy irrigation system. Um, and then once things are planted out in farm fields, uh, whatever they happen to be, crops and so on, um, I never worked in an area where irrigation was needed because the rainfall is so intense that uh, there's ample water naturally. and. So there was no irrigation needed. It was mostly drainage to get the excess water out of the field so that they didn't get waterlogged. Okay, thank you for that. Were there any major floods caused by the rain? Oh my gosh, yes. Um, there were floods uh, periodically. As a matter of fact, I left my site in Peace Corps in Honduras, my last site, uh, by swimming uh, because we were flooded. Um, I had built a house on a hill on the outside of town to be up higher because uh, that whole village had been devastated by hurricane, uh, a hurricane storm and the tsunami that came in took the village away. There was no houses left, no trees left. And that's the house that, sorry, the village we rebuilt. And uh, after it was rebuilt, the, it was on a large river. The river rose, uh, turned brown and rose. And the curiosity was we had not been receiving rains. So we couldn't understand why the river was rising. And there was no warning of bad weather uh, or rains coming. And yet the river kept rising and rising and rising and the water got dirtier and dirtier and dirtier. And uh, eventually the whole village was underwater. And I, uh, I had to swim to a, a person who had a canoe. I got to the canoe and uh, could escape from the village. Uh, there were some high areas and some higher buildings that people were uh, rescued in. Um, I left by swimming, as I say, got to a boat, I got out of the village, got to a, a, another village higher up where there was a small airport and uh, we left by plane. The mystery was solved when we found out the reason the flood happened was because inland, upriver from where we were, people had cut all of the trees on some of the mountains. Um, logging companies had deforested the hillsides. So when it rained up there, which was normal, uh, instead of being uh, soaked into the ground with the trees, uh, with the trees all taken away, the water just ran down the mountains into the rivers and created a flood downstream. So the people where we were had no idea why they were being flooded, were not responsible for it, didn't cause it. The people up in the mountains who deforested the land I'm sure didn't realize the damage they caused downriver because they had just cut the trees and then left. 
but it's a consequence of deforestation in the tropics is when you get heavy rains the water just floods right off the mountains and goes into the rivers very quickly and causes a very rapid flooding downstream uh, so yeah there's there's flooding and that that's happening over and over again that's not just a one-time thing that's a common thing where people deforest uh, uh, areas and then create floods downstream from them Okay, thank you very much, Dr. Corbin. Um, as much as we would love to continue to talk to you, unfortunately, we're going to need to wrap it up. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day in order to, um, to be with us. We sincerely appreciate the information you can provide and the stories that you shared. Okay, well, I'm happy to. Do you have any other follow-up or something? Okay, well, thank you guys so much for tuning in to GeoSpeaks, and as always, geography is everything, and everything is geography.